Today we'll be reading the good news from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, verses 1 through 10 and 16 through 20. Those who are willing and able, I invite you to stand for the reading of today's scripture. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Well, happy Easter, everybody. And uh, I invite you to join me in that ancient Easter greeting. He is risen. You know, I look forward to that every year. Let's try it again, shall we? He is risen. And uh, I want to thank uh, Jill and David and our bell choir for, you know, to me this was like the, the soundtrack of the resurrection, you know, and I was just really uh, moved by that. And just so you know, today is uh, it's only for this Sunday that we decided to mark off the pews with, with ribbons again. We did that in the fall, and then we didn't when we started back in February. Uh, but we did it today because we knew that this was the best way to get the most possible people in here. And uh, the last thing we want is to have people leave because, oh, I couldn't find a seat, or maybe leave because somebody sat too close to me, and that made me feel bad. So uh, I'm not a fan of marking off the pews, but let me tell you, it was the best solution for today. Now, if you are a regular here at Faith Westwood, I hope that you find some of my messages practical. 
Uh, sometimes I love to give you maybe one, two, or three, maybe three things that you can do starting today right out of God's Word that will bless you and make your life better. But that's not what today is about. Sometimes in Sunday messages, uh, we go deeper into the Scripture and we, we examine the historical context and the biblical context, and it helps us to think like Jesus. I love that. But it's not what today is about. Today's message is simply an announcement. Something has happened. A seismic shift has taken place, altering the course of history. <clears throat> uh, if you have a hard time believing the resurrection, uh, you know, I can appreciate that. But let me tell you, resurrection wasn't any easier to believe 2,000 years ago. And yet, in this last century, a number of people have examined the historical evidence, setting out to disprove Jesus' resurrection, only to end up believing it. Ancient historian and Bible scholar N.T. Wright says, the only possible explanation for the rise of Christianity is that Jesus of Nazareth, three days after being thoroughly dead, was found by his followers to be very thoroughly and very bodily alive again. According to the four biographies in the Bible about Jesus, the first ones to uh, discover the empty tomb and to see the resurrected Jesus were some of the women, some of his female followers. If the resurrection was a ruse, if it was a deception, then those making up the story would not have had women as the original witnesses. I mean, the culture was so biased against women in that day, women were not even allowed to be witnesses in court. Did you know that? So if someone was making up this story, they certainly would not have made it up this way. The only reason that I can find that the account says that the women were the first witnesses of the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus is because that's what happened. And I don't find it at all plausible that Jesus was not actually dead after he was taken down from the cross and buried in the tomb. Uh, N.T. Wright also notes, Roman executioners were professional killers, and they were not allowed, they were not about to let rebel leaders slip through their clutches. The descriptions of the resurrected Jesus that we have in the Gospels is also not that of a bodiless spirit, nor of a spiritual sense of his presence from his followers. When the two Marys saw him, as Russ read for us, and when, they, and when he greeted them, it says, they came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. You can't hug a phantom or a feeling. Some might say, so what if Jesus rose from the dead? Good for him. <laughs> What's that got to do with me? And I would say that if Jesus is who he says he is, then his resurrection 
is the turning point of history. So here's the announcement. This is Easter good news. The crucified and risen Jesus has defeated the enemy, carried away our sins, and released the power of God's unstoppable goodness. And by the enemy, I mean God's enemy, our enemy, the adversary, the accuser, the liar, the force of evil of this world who is constantly trying to usurp God's authority. Jesus said the enemy's agenda is to steal, kill, and destroy. The religious leaders in Jerusalem thought the crucifixion was the end of Jesus, and probably his followers thought the same thing. He was defeated, dead, done for. But even death could not stop him. And you might ask, if Jesus carried away our sins, where did he take them? Well, I'll tell you. He carried them across the threshold of death. Now, we don't know exactly what happened and how. The Bible has different images and metaphors for trying to describe this. Here's one way to imagine it. After he died, Jesus went to the throne of the Father with a ledger of all of our sins, our idolatry. And he says, charge this to my account. And then the Father looked at the evidence of Jesus' death, the wounds in his hands and his feet, the spear wound in his side. And then the Father stamped the ledger, paid in full. Jesus carried our sins away, as Psalm 103 says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then Jesus has released the power of God's unstoppable goodness. Jesus called this power the kingdom of God. Albert Schweitzer had a had a wonderfully visual way of describing this unstoppable goodness. Here's my version of it. Schweitzer imagined history as a great wheel. And the, the problem is that the wheel is turning in the, in the opposite direction from the way it was created to turn. It was created in the direction of pain and prejudice and perversion Jesus stepped into history, but still the wheel refused to change. Finally, Jesus flung himself onto the wheel, and it crushed him. But in so doing, the wheel began to slowly move in the other direction, in the direction of life and love. This is the direction for which it was created. As I said, the, the power of God's unstoppable love is about Jesus' kingdom, his reign of righteousness, and that power is still active in the world today. It's not the kind of power the world uses with its arrogance and brutality. It's the power of humility and holiness it's the power of gentleness and joy. It's the power of God's love. 
And God loves to work his power through people. We see the power of God's unstoppable goodness nearly every day, don't we? We see it with our Faith Works Pantry, and I, I see it in the love and respect that you show to our pantry patrons. Uh, we could see it last Wednesday night when you middle and high school students took the role of servants, and you went outside and you picked up trash out in the park and up the big hill uh, uh, to L Street and then over along Central Middle School. I see it when uh, you bring meals to those who are going through maybe medical treatments or recovering from surgery, and you show up at their door with a gift card or a home-cooked meal. I see it in our partnership with Juan Carlos Veloso and the new Hispanic church he and his wife, Marite, are starting in South Omaha. And we just said, you know, Juan Carlos, we're going to be your partners in this. We're going to help in every way we can. God loves to work his power through people. My friends, this is Easter good news. The crucified and risen Jesus has defeated the enemy, carried away our sins, and released the power of God's unstoppable goodness. I want to show you a video of a member of our faith family as she shares her story. Regina Mathias is a registered nurse at an Omaha hospital, and she begins by telling how her mom was sick a little over a year ago, and she was, you know, caring and praying for her mom and with her, and then the pandemic hit. In March last year, Regina came down with COVID, and she recovered. And then in the summer, God blessed her with a, to buy a house, which he never expected would happen. And then late in November, her dad died. About a week after his death, she came down with COVID a second time. Today, four months later, she is what is called a long hauler. Do you know what that is? Um, she continues to have symptoms from COVID. Uh, fatigue, brain fog, shortness of breath. This video is five and a half minutes. Let's watch. Uh, my name is Regina Mathias. Um, I am a member of the Faith Westwood family. Um, I came to this church about eight and a half years ago. The pandemic has brought a lot of heartache to everyone and suffering, um, as I did, but I think also that God worked on me, through me. My story really started in February, and um, I, had, I had gone home, which is South Dakota, Spearfish, South Dakota, to help my mother. I've never seen my mother like that. It was, it was a... I just didn't know what to do. The only thing I could think of to do is um, being born and raised Pentecostal. And my mom, you know, um, was laying there. All I could do was 
to lay my hands on her and just pray. I don't think I've ever prayed so much in my life. It was very, very emotional for me to have to leave her when I did. Not knowing that, you know, in a month we were gonna have COVID and I just was worried that I would never see my mom again. So then COVID started. And at first, um, I was very, very scared because um, I have an underlying condition of severe asthma. I can remember the first day that a patient ended up in our clinic and um, all of us nurses were very, very, very scared. You know, we're all going to work every day, not knowing if we're gonna get COVID, you know, and we made that choice because we made a choice to become a nurse and be, to become a doctor. I had to put my faith over my fear and go to work every day. Well, then one day it happened at the end of March. Um, I sat by a coworker and um, come to find out I got exposed. I did have all the symptoms and I'm sitting there one day and God says, Regina, you, you need to call the bank. I need to call the bank. I'm like, Lord, I, you know, I, there's no way I can get a house, Lord. I just, I cannot afford one. And um, I found a house I loved. I walked in it. I stood in the living room. I said, this is it. This is my house. It's a cute yellow house on the corner with a picket fence. God gave me the little house on the corner. And um, so then I moved in and, you know, I've, I had a back issue and I couldn't really lift anything. Somebody helped me move little stuff. I got movers. I, um, everything just flowed. I started doing COVID swabbing and, um, you know, really, really sick people <laughs> would come and we, we did it in their car. So we geared up, went out there with goggles, glasses, masks, two masks, gowns, gloves. And then I got word from my family that my father was not doing well. The nurse um, heard him talking and she didn't, she didn't quite understand what he was saying. My mom knew at that point, um, my dad was speaking in tongues. It was soothing to me to know that my dad was talking to God when he passed away. So then we had my dad's service and I called work and told them I wasn't feeling good. I was probably exhausted. And they said, well, you better get tested for COVID. I'm like, I don't need to get tested for COVID. I was positive for COVID. I called my boss. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're not gonna believe this. I am positive for COVID. I can't believe I got it again. There was a pretty dark time during that time, probably about a week. I actually really thought I might not wake up. I'm not much for one to ask anybody for help. I've always been able to do it on my own. I'm a very strong person. And um, I had to ask for help. And all of a sudden, I was flooded. I was flooded with food and all my needs were met because I humbled myself to ask God for what I needed. My neighbor saw how the church kept bringing stuff. She doesn't even know these people. And she was so excited to see, you know, how all these people are bringing things for me. And I finally remember waking up 
one day and I thought, okay, I think I feel better. I made it. I made it, God. I made it back. You brought me back to my people. He has filled me with so much joy. I just, and the prayer, I just, the moments I had at home, although I missed church, I had many, many wonderful moments with my God. Just remember that God is always there. He's always by your side. He's always with you. During this long, hard year, Regina has found something that maybe you have to go through a long, hard year to find, and that is the unstoppable power of God's goodness. And as she said, she's found it to be a testimony not only to herself, but even to her neighbors. So now... Let's put the uh, Easter good news for today uh, back on the screen one more time. There it is. And, and as you see it on the screen, I invite you to pick out one word that stands out to you. Can you do that? Just go ahead right now. Pick out one word that just sort of calls to you or stands out to you in some way. And I'd like to uh, close the message by inviting us to say the whole thing in unison and then I would invite you to stand as you say the word you picked. Got it? So we'll say the entire statement together a little bit slowly. And each of you will stand, if you're able, to say the word that you've selected. So, let's join together in the Easter good news. The crucified and risen Jesus has defeated the enemy, carried away our sins, and released the power of God's unstoppable goodness. And let's all stand and say it together one more time. The crucified and risen Jesus has defeated the enemy, carried away our sins, and released the power of God's unstoppable goodness. Hallelujah. Amen. He is risen. He is risen Let's pray. Lord God, we love hearing this good news. We love standing up for it. We need it. Thank you, Jesus, that our enemy has been defeated. Thank you that our sins have been carried away, paid for in full. Thank you that the unstoppable power of God's goodness is at work in the world and in our lives. Jesus, we are your people. Send us into the world with humility and holiness, with gentleness and joy, carrying the power of your love. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. This morning we have the privilege.